congregation. My name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor at New Life Fellowship Church, and I want to welcome you for joining us uh, on this in this service. Uh, for you regular New Lifers, uh, welcome. Great to have you. It's been great to connect with you on social media and and share that space there together. Uh, but I'm excited to to be here and to preach this morning. Uh, I want to talk a, a message and give a message about God's power to calm the storms that we experience. And the title for my message today is very simply three words, peace, be still. Peace, be still. We are in the season of Lent, and Lent is an opportunity for us to repent, to turn back to God, and to receive from God what God has for us. And God has peace for us today. God has stillness for us today. No matter what uh, we're facing, what we're encountering, what we're surrounded by, peace, be still. Our text is taken from the Gospel of Mark in chapter 4. It's one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible. And it's a story about Jesus bringing peace to a storm. And I'm going to read this passage. You can follow along with me. It's verses 35 through 41. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's pray together. Lord, wherever we are worshiping from, whether our living room, our kitchen, parked in our car, Lord, I pray that you would now open our hearts to receive your word. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing in our own lives. And Lord, would you speak these words over us today? Peace, be still. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Earlier this week, I was staring out my six-floor apartment window facing Manhattan, trying to wrap my mind around the debilitating reality that just two miles from my home is the current national epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic. Elmhurst Hospital, less than one mile from where I'm standing right now, has become the new ground zero. And this past week, we have seen some difficult news about this neighborhood. There have been a number of lives lost to this coronavirus. And it is in these moments where it can feel like the world is closing in on us. And some of you might be feeling that way today. 
Some of you are probably watching this and you've been feeling significant stress this past week. The stress of family members becoming ill. The stress of being financially insecure. The stress of losing a job. The stress of having to work at a job that exposes you to this disease. The stress of still homeschooling your children. You thought it was going to be over. It's not over. You are still homeschooling your children. The stress of just being sick and tired of being at home. Earlier this week, I found myself pretty irritable and actually short with my wife, Rosie. I had just rolled out of bed, and so it wasn't even much uh, time in the day where I started to feel angry, irritable. And I was short with my sentences. And I realized after a few hours of reflection, and Rosie gave me the gift of just breathing for a moment and stepping aside to reflect, that I was hit with a wave of depression. And my depression was manifesting in anger. And it was in that space where I began to process and share it with her and share it with others that some relief came to my soul. But in that moment, I realized it felt as if the world was closing in on me as well. When we look at our story today in the Gospel of Mark, we are not the only ones who feel like the world is closing in on them. The disciples in Jesus' time are experiencing this as well. In our text, it seems as if the world is closing in on them because Jesus has them go on a boat to get to the other side. And when Mark tells the story, it's very interesting to see the words he starts out with. There are three words that Mark highlights that I want you to see. And the three words are, when evening came. Those are three important words to get to what's really happening in the story, when evening came. Now, when Mark writes those words, he's not just referring to the time of day. He's referring to the challenge of the moment when darkness came. I might be preaching this in the morning, and it doesn't matter what time you are watching this. But in a very real sense, we are in the evening. It's been evening for a few weeks. For our city, for our country, for the world. It's been evening for a few months. The darkness has come. The darkness of financial struggle. The darkness of emotional instability. The darkness of the suspicion that we have when we see each other. The darkness of anxiety. It's evening and Jesus has his disciples get on a boat and they would experience this storm together. They were all in the same boat, which reminds me of a famous quote by Dr. King. Dr. King once said in the 60s that we might have arrived in different ships, but we're all in the same boat now. And that's the truth for all of us. Whether rich or poor, black or white, small apartment or big house, we are all in the same boat now, the disciples get out to sea, and soon after, they hit a storm. And I want you to get this picture. They go out to sea, and suddenly a storm comes, and it is a crazy storm. In verse 37, this is what it says. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. 
To get a picture of this, Rembrandt, the famous artist, depicted uh, this story in the Gospels where the disciples are having a very hard time with the sea. And I just want to highlight this one guy here. He's, he's actually right here. He's just throwing up. That's me. If I was on the boat, that would be me right there throwing up over the ship there. This is the disciples in this particular moment. The text doesn't go into too much detail about the disciples' response. But it is quite easy to see that this is an uncommon storm. And because it is an uncommon storm, they are experiencing uncommon anxiety. And the storm really is on two levels for these disciples. It's the storm that they're facing externally and the storm that they are carrying internally. And we must pay attention to both levels of the storm. We must pay attention to the external storm of COVID-19 that is causing chaos in our city, chaos in our families, chaos in the world. And then there is the internal storm of COVID-19. That even though your body might never get infected with the coronavirus, your soul can get infected with the coronavirus. The disciples in this story are infected. And their infection is one of deep anxiety. Not any old kind of anxiety, a particular kind of anxiety. You see, there's two kinds of anxieties that we need to pay attention to. The first kind of anxiety is situational anxiety. It's the anxiety that comes when you're on a plane and there's turbulence. The anxiety that comes when you are on a job interview. The anxiety that comes when you are about to ask someone on a date. The anxiety that comes when you are dropping your kids off at the first day of school. That's situational anxiety. But then there's another kind of anxiety that impacts all of us. And it is soul anxiety. Deep soul anxiety. And deep soul anxiety happens when we are so anxious and fearful that we begin to question the trustworthiness of God. We begin to question whether God loves us whether God cares for us. And this is what we see with the disciples. They are experiencing not just the situational anxiety, they are experiencing soul anxiety as well. And we see it in the next verse, in verse 38. It says, the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, and hear the words, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? Notice the question. The question is not about Jesus' capacity. The question is about whether he cares. They're not saying, Lord, can't you? They're saying, don't you care about us? They're so bent out of shape, so fearful that they wonder whether Jesus cares for them. And I know what it's like to live in a world in which I question whether Jesus cares as well. You see, our world is marked by anxiety, an anxiety that's so deep that gets us to question God's care for us, God's love for us. And everywhere you look, there are anxious forces, as it were, a furious squall of anxiety that finds its way in the boat of our lives. It was Eric Severi, the journalist of CBS, the Associated Press, who said these words some years ago about our country. He said, the biggest business in America is not steel, automobiles, or television. It is the manufacture, refinement, and distribution of anxiety. 
And you know this to be true. Three minutes into watching a television show and you are filled with anxiety, a furious squall in your boat. You turn on the radio for just a couple of minutes and a furious squall of anxiety impacts your soul. You see, I want to be informed like everyone else. But I don't want to be transformed and conformed by the powers of anxiety in our world. And this is what we are facing. An anxiety that gets to the deepest part of our soul. Which causes us to question whether God cares. And so right where you're at, sitting on that couch, sitting in that kitchen, what are you anxious about? What are you asking God? God, don't you care about this? Can you name it? Can you bring it to consciousness? Can you offer that to the Lord? Could you name your anxiety today? And as you name your anxiety, I want to take you to the other side of the boat. Because on one side of the boat, the, the disciples are anxiety ridden. They're having a hard time functioning. But then you see this remarkable contrast. This profound juxtaposition where they are panicking and yet on the other side of the boat, Jesus is at peace. While the disciples are screaming, Jesus is sleeping. And not just sleeping, sound asleep. Snoring asleep. He is comfortably asleep. In the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, they tell the story about Jesus sleeping. But in Mark's Gospel, Mark is actually the most detailed of all the Gospel writers. Mark adds a detail that always amuses me. This is what he says. He says, Jesus was in the stern in the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion, his favorite pillow. Jesus is resting deeply. Now, what's fascinating about this is this is the only time in the Bible which depicts Jesus... As sleeping. And it just so happens that it's in a storm. Jesus is at such a place in his relationship with God that though the chaos of the storm and the anxieties of the disciples are around him, he is sound asleep. Now, either someone slipped Ambien in a meal that Jesus was eating, or there's something else at work inside of him. And I'll tell you what that something else is. You see, Jesus trusted in the care of the Father. He knew that the Father cared. And because he knew the Father cared, he was able to sleep. He was able to rest. He was able to trust. The disciples, however, don't think Jesus cares. And because they don't believe he cares, they are filled with anxiety. But this is what I want to tell you today. No matter where you are and at what time you're listening to this, God cares for you. God loves you with an everlasting love. And the challenges of life might be deep, but God's love goes deeper. The challenges of our world might go deep, but God's grace goes even deeper. God cares. God loves. God is love. The very character of God is love. And God deeply cares for you today. Now, for some of you, you might be asking, as I have been asking as well, if God cares so much, why doesn't he just get rid of the suffering in the world? 
And this has been a question that Christians have been asking throughout history. If God cares so much, why doesn't he do anything about it? And that's a question that makes us hold on to the mystery of faith. Where although we don't have all the answers and we have more questions than we have answers. One thing we are, are to hold on to is that God cares. Some of us want need answers. We want answers to every question that we have. And yet the Christian faith calls us to a life of trust. That even though we cannot understand what's going on, the invitation is to trust in the very character of God revealed in Jesus. And so I love what happens next in the story. The disciples run to him. They shake him. And then we see some of the, my favorite words in the Bible. In verse 39, this is what it says. And I want to focus, focus first of all on the first three words. It says, he got up. And I could spend a whole hour preaching on those three words. He got up. I love that Jesus gets up. And this is the story of the gospel. That Jesus gets up. Three days in the grave, but he got up. Sin and death tried to shackle him, but he got up. The storm and the sea tried to overwhelm him, but he got up. And I want to tell you, Jesus is up. He's alive. He's moving. He's active right where you're at. He got up. He gets up. Amen. And he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And the word Jesus uses is a word of peace. And I want you to hear Jesus' word of peace spoken over you today. Peace, be still. Quiet, be still. This is what Jesus is speaking all over the world. Peace, be still. Peace over our nation. Peace, be still over our city. Peace be still over Elmhurst Hospital. Peace be still over Louisiana. Peace be still over Washington State. Peace be still over California. Peace be still over Georgia, over Florida. Peace be still over Spain, over Italy, over China. Peace be still. And not just peace be still out there. Peace in your house. Peace in your soul. Peace in your living room, peace in your bedroom, peace in your kitchen, peace in your car, peace when you go in and when you come out, peace, be still. To you singles watching this in the isolation of your own home, longing for human connection, peace, be still. For those with families going crazy, wondering, how am I going to get out? Peace, be still. For you medical professionals watching this, wherever you're at, peace, be still. This is the word of Jesus to us this week. And he might have a different word for us next week. But this week his word to us is peace. Be still. This is not the end of our story. Peace be still. Anxiety will not have the last word. Peace be still. We will not fall into despair. Peace be still. We will not shrink back and be defeated by the enemy. Peace be still. 
God grants us this peace. But I want you to hear this. God gives us this peace, not just for our own personal therapeutic benefits. God gives us peace so that we might be the very presence of Jesus to the world around us. Now, you might be saying, that's nice, but Rich, I'm not Jesus. I can't calm storms like that. But I want to tell you that the same spirit that was in Jesus dwells in you as well. And God gives us peace so that we might express that peace to the world around us. You see, we have seen that the coronavirus is highly contagious. We have experienced as well anxiety to be highly contagious. But what I want to tell you as well is that the peace of God can be contagious as well. That if God fills you with his peace, that, that peace can start infecting people around you. And so that's what God has for you this week. To be such a presence of peace in your home. A presence of peace on social media. A presence of peace on your Zoom calls. A presence of peace when you FaceTime your family. A presence of peace when you make that phone call. God gives you peace not just for yourself, but so that the presence of Jesus might flow through you as well. Peace be still. And what Jesus is longing for right now is a church that would live with this kind of non-anxious presence and power in the world. That we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us and God longs for us to live with the kind of peace that passes all kinds of understanding. We see this in the story of a famous Christian writer named Julian of Norwich. Julian was a Christian writer, a mystic in the 1300s. And she wrote a book called The Revelations of Divine Love. And in her book, one of the lines that she's most known for is this what we see on the screen here. Where she says, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Now, when you read this without any context, you would think, wow, she must got a raise. Or wow, she must have just won the lottery. But when Julian writes these words, it's not happening because she's been visited with prosperity. Actually, when she writes these words, she's been visited with great pain. You see, in the 1300s in England, half the population died because of a plague. And it is in those moments where she sought the face of God, where she began to pray. And it was God speaking these words over Julian, all shall be well, and all shall be well. And all manner of things shall be well. Now to confess this is not to ignore the pain. To confess this is not to suppress the anxiety. To confess this is not to grieve the reality of loss in our world. We are called to hold on to our grief. We are called to shed our tears. We are called to bang on the ground and wail if we need to. And at the same time, we are called to confess this, that all shall be well. And all shall be well. And all manner of things shall be well. Peace be still. How do we get this peace? How do we live with this kind of supernatural peace that flooded Julian of Norwich, that flooded Jesus of Nazareth, that floods and longs to flood Christians and the world around this country and around this world. Well, the invitation to peace is really found in two spaces, two levels. The first 
level is that peace, this kind of peace is found in a person. A particular person. It's found in Jesus Christ. The peace that we all long for deep down in our soul will not be addressed and fulfilled because of any achievements that we do. It's not going to be fulfilled by the challenges being resolved. No, the deep peace that we need is found in a person. And this person is Christ who's come, who's taken our sin, who dies on our behalf, who's raised on the third day, who's alive, who dwells on the right hand of the Father. And it is in trust in him that peace can come to us. And today some of you are watching this and you're wondering, I long for that peace. And the invitation is to say yes to Jesus Christ, to let his peace flood your heart. In a very simple prayer, Jesus, I long for your peace. Forgive me. Give me your peace. A simple prayer like that, I want to follow you. And the Holy Spirit will begin to dwell inside of you and begin to give you peace that passes all understanding. But that's the first level it's found in a person. But there's another level where peace is sustained as well. And it is found in practices, particular peace practices. And I want to just offer a handful of them before I close here. This week here, we are invited to offer practices to maintain the kind of peace that God has secured for us in Christ. And I want to invite you this week to spend time in the practice of prayer. Three times a week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon, I lead a midday prayer. I want to invite you to join me in that and use that as a baseline. And out of that space, begin to call upon God in focused ways so that God could flood you with his spirit and grant you peace. I want to uh, invite you for the peace of silence, to stay still and find the space in your home at any time in the day and just open your hands and, and say the name of Jesus and, and breathe deeply and allow the Holy Spirit to form and shape you. I want you to consider the practice of meditation on scripture. You see, we are in a world right now where we're doing a lot of meditating we're meditating mostly on the bad news. We're fixing our minds on the bad news. And we can so meditate on the bad news that we fail to meditate on the good news. And so this week, I want to invite you to read the Gospels. Pray out the Psalms. Offer your heart to God through Scripture. And it is the final practice of peace, of being part of a community. We might be isolated from each other, but it doesn't mean that we cannot be united in spirit, united in heart. And I thank God for the gift of technology. And some 70, 75% of our New Life small groups are continuing to meet on Zoom and, and platforms like that. And if you long to be part of a community, just to talk to people, to pray for people, you can let us know how we can serve you. You can go to help at newlife.nyc or you can connect with me or Pastor Peter or Pastor Helen, Pastor Sharon, our community life team, and we'll help you get to the next place in connecting in community. But these are some of the practices we want to invite you to hold on to. Let me end with this. After Jesus calms a storm in this story, he seems to rebuke his disciples. He asked them, why do you still have little faith? And on one level, it feels like that's a harsh question. Jesus, have you just seen what we've been going through? 
And I think when Jesus asked that question, he's not asking his disciples to work up their faith. Why don't you still have faith? He's not saying, why aren't you confessing more? Why aren't you grabbing your faith and holding on to it? Why aren't you speaking it louder and more often? I don't think Jesus is saying that. When Jesus says, why do you still have little faith? He's not telling his disciples to work it up. He's very simply asking his disciples to trust in his love. It's with that question where Jesus is essentially saying, don't you know that I love you? Don't you know that I care for you? And that's God's word for you today. You might be wondering, what in the world is going on? And Jesus might be asking you today, why do you still have little faith? And when he asked that question, this is what he's saying. Don't you know that I love you? Don't you know that I care for you? Don't you know that I'm with you? May those questions find deep root in our souls. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guards your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the gift of your word. And Lord, wherever we are watching this from, may we receive your peace. Peace be still. May we receive the peace that passes all understanding. And Lord, may that peace be contagious. I speak words of peace over single parents. Words of peace over those who are ill. Words of peace for those who are alone. Words of peace for those who are wondering, can they make it another week? Peace be still. As we close our service, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And after I bless you, Pastor Jackie will come back up here and uh, give some final remarks here. But right where you're at, just open your hands towards heaven. And you cannot give what you have not received. And so I want to speak these words over you. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you step out from this service in the power of the Holy Spirit, receiving the peace of God and offering it to the world around you, knowing that God cares. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the peaceful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Remember, we want to hear from you. So please use the hashtag at New Life NLF, New Life, New Life at Home, New Life NYC at Home. Oh, my gosh. New Life NYC at Home. You see, 
what distancing does to you? New Life NYC at home. And send us your pics. We want to see your pictures. We want to see your videos. And remember also to tag us when you put anything on social media, and that would be at NLFNYC, at NLFNYC. So listen, everybody, stay safe, be well, and we'll see you next time. Grace and peace.